0: Welcome to Showcase Broadcast Studio, where we give businesses an opportunity to market their products or services to the world. Thank you for joining the final part in our three-part series, Strategies for Business Continuation. My name is Michael Wardy. I'm a Certified Financial Planner and Regional Director at Source Advisors, where we work with our clients and their CPAs to identify and maximize tax incentive programs, such as the research and development tax credit, cost segregation and energy efficient incentive programs. I would also like to introduce one last time during this series, Lee Boss and Ross Karp. Um, Starting out with Lee, Lee takes a proactive client facing approach in business. He takes the time to get to know his clients as well as their needs and goals. As a managing director and chair of the audit and assurance and the private, client, or private company services group, Lee acts as a resource and technical leader for his clients and Mercadian. I'd also like to introduce Ross Carp. Ross is a certified long-term care specialist who is dedicated to the planning and implementation of a strong protection portfolio for individuals and businesses in order to protect against the unexpected. These include, but they're not limited to, life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care insurance, as well as other group benefits. As a broker, Ross works with major carriers to find the best and the most appropriate solution for each individual situation. Gentlemen, once again, welcome. Thank you. So on this final section, We are focusing on what is really, and all three of these different topics are incredibly important, but today we're gonna talk about business protection. And just to recap, for those that have not watched the previous two, please go back and watch or listen to the previous two uh, um, episodes. But just to recap, the first one we discussed succession planning and how a company can protect itself if key personnel experience or incur a catastrophic event. And in those conversations, we also discussed incentives for recruitment, as well as retention. Today, we're going to take a look at how a company can protect itself if something were to happen to the business owner or other key personnel, aside from transfer of business. And there's a few potential scenarios. And I think a lot of people hear about these. I know a lot of business owners that we speak with, and collectively, we have... The three of us have probably over sixty years of working with business with businesses, and we've seen and heard the stories. So, just I guess just to start out with, what are the, what are the potential consequences if a business owner were to pass away or become disabled?
1: Michael, I can I can take that one, and um, thank yeah. you for having us on this final podcast. We look forward to the discussion today, but you know the issue in particular. And in particular, you know, closely held smaller owned businesses that the owner and some of the key personnel play such an influential role in the leadership and day to day activities in that business operation. So when you think about the risk of, you know, the key owner or key employees becoming, um, you know, disabled or perhaps worst case, you know, there's a death um, due to accident or other related issues. Um, the business will just significantly suffer. I mean, in most most businesses, the owner and the key personnel, you know, they have the direct relationship with the clientele, the customer base. Um, they they play a very key role often in the the production within inside that business. If it's a service organization or some type of manufacturing uh, business um, or or other business, um, they know kind of the ins and outs of that business uh, like no one else. So, The risk is that, you know, there's an event that causes either disability where that owner or key employee cannot be there or, you know, an unlikely event of a death. I mean, the business, how does it move forward? You know, how does it continue to service its clientele or customers? How does it continue to grow and bring in new customers? And, you know, it just creates a ton of uncertainty. And we've seen this out in the marketplace where when that type of event occurs and there's not a well-solidified plan on how to move forward. That uncertainty, you know, we've seen uh, companies lose customers, lose clients, lose key personnel. Um, They just don't have a real clear path forward. And that's incredibly detrimental to the business as far as losing customers, not being able to produce a service or a product, losing your key employees. I mean, it basically could shut down a business. Um, And so really significant, but potential significant
2: impacts. And Lee, I just wanna piggyback on that. You know, I think when I think back on you know, all three episodes that we've done so far, I think the key theme has been planning, planning and more planning and reviewing your plan. Uh, I think, you know, everything we've said comes back to that. At the end of the day, you know, you're putting that plan and implementing is one thing, but you've got to review it. You've got to keep on top of it because without the plan, you know, there's gonna be chaos. Um, And it's, you know, we're talking about affecting people's jobs and people's livelihoods. So that's why, you know, the planning for that worst case scenario, I know nobody really likes to think about it. You know, no one wants to look at their own mortality or morbidity uh, and do the planning um, because they are being confronted with that. But it is important to do to have that game plan to let your people know that your family know, uh, your key employees know that there is a plan in place. Here's what it is so that everybody is working towards it. Uh, And that things go smoothly in the event something happens.
0: And that's, you know, as we've talked through this and and I've, in between each uh, session, obviously, I'm talking with clients and prospective clients and just thinking about the impact. If the business owner, something happens to them and the business is not able, and I'm going to ask you guys this question as well. If if the business owner can't pay the bills because they're the only signer on the checking account it may seem like it's antiquated to say that, but it's still out there. You're not just affecting your family directly, you're affecting a whole potentially a whole community. So, if something were to happen to the owner and they're the only signer, how does that work? Like, who becomes responsible? Like, how do they, if they didn't plan properly, how do they plan
1: post that issue? Can they? Yeah, that I mean. Challenge. and I think that's the the, the the issue, the consequence of not doing proper planning. Um, so, you know, there's definitely an approach, Michael, that businesses should be taking um, to plan for this. And we, we did spend time talking about what I would refer to more as your order, orderly succession planning process in mm-hmm. a business where you're really looking at kind of long term outlook and determining the skill set and the, the plan in place to transition responsibilities if that's possible within the business or whether there's ultimately a third party sale that's necessary where it can not succeed. But the emergency succession is really critical. I mean, doing kind of a an scenario assessment of what are all the things that likely could occur, and how would the business survive in that situation. Um, so. You know, we talked about emergency succession, that's more directed to our key personnel. So if we look at all the roles and responsibilities within the business, and in that case, okay, the owner's got exclusive check signing, you know, capabilities, no one else has the banking relationship, you know, that would be something we go through as part of that plan and identify that as an issue. And then how do we... Mediate that. Okay. So there should be someone else within the business that has access to the bank accounts, has perhaps dual check signing capabilities. Maybe that's not somebody within the business. Maybe that's the spouse. But setting up that plan and more broadly speaking, I think about business continuity. You know, you think about what if a a fire occurs in your manufacturing facility? What if you, you know, there's an issue getting to your technology, your server locations and, you know, business thought through those issues and come up with appropriate solutions. A lot of cloud hosting services has been a very popular um, response to that as far as how, you know, how do we access our data if you know there's a fire in our building? Well, if you don't have servers you know, on premise, they're more in the cloud or they're all in the cloud, that mitigates against that risk. But um, to address your question specifically, I mean, I think it's a real challenge. I've seen companies in the face where they haven't had a plan like that. I mean, on day one after that, accident that incident occurs i mean it's really got to huddle together you know the business and often a spouse or a key family member um, sometimes uh, often a professional that might get involved in that an attorney an accountant someone that's their trusted advisor to step in and and really just kind of figure things out as best as can but um it's definitely uh it's definitely not the best case situation so uh i know ross you have any (laughs) view on that
2: too i'm sure Well, I mean, as far as the, you know, I think I agree 100% with everything you said, you know, there's, without a plan, there's going to be, you know, people who need to step in and hopefully there's paperwork that says, you know, okay, someone has signing authority um, so that, you know, bills can be paid and things can stay afloat for the business. You know, as far as on our side of the the equation, you know, there are times where, especially, you know, earlier in a business, while a business is building um, and trying to find its footing, You know, if something were to happen to the business owner, how will some of the bills get paid that the business owner has been responsible for, has been paying for? And so, you know, there are insurance products out there that will help uh, the company, uh, which will, you know, be the business overhead expense plan so that if the business owner is disabled, uh, they can, you know, have this cash flow coming in to, to replace what they've been doing. Um, so, if, you know, some of the fixed things like utilities, you know, the payroll and benefits, you know, the insurances, rent, uh, if, it's own, if the property is owned, maybe it's the taxes, um, you know, equipment leasing, um, you know, to, to covering a lot of those bills, I think it's important because if you're the business owner and you get disabled, you don't know if you're going to be coming back. And again, this is something we've, we've said in the past. You don't know if you're going to be coming back. So, a, you've got to keep the business going so that you're coming back to something that's thriving. Um, and b, if you're if you don't think you're going to be coming back, that you want to be able to sell something that's been thriving, uh, and and you know not uh, take pennies on the dollar. And that's why like the the type of policy I was just mentioning is more of a shorter term. Um, you know, usually it has like a six month waiting period to make sure you know if you're going to be out that long. Um, but it only has like a two-year benefit. So within two years, someone should know whether they're going to be able to come back or not and what they have to do. and So they can properly either wrap up the business or sell the business.
0: Yeah. So I know a lot of businesses, as they get into different situations, they want to have the funds set aside. And let's say they did some proper planning and they have the co and they have the plans and they have the insurance and, and everything set up. But on top of that, they need to know that for an immediate need, they need to take out a loan. So when that happens, and I've, when I was in the banking world, we would often ask uh, business owners to um, um, what, uh, do a personal guarantee. What are the drawbacks? You know some people say, oh, I, I always do that. It's not even a question. It's my business. It's my life. I have a personal guarantee on it, not a question. Some people say absolutely not. What are the pros and cons? What I, mean, I, just, I I think from a planning perspective, you almost need to have that loan set aside like a line of credit and banks are asking for personal guarantees. Walk us through uh, the drawbacks
1: or are there any? Yeah, I mean, Michael, that's a great point too, just as part of um, emergency planning or business continuity is having that kind of backstop, which is really critical. And you know, businesses should have a certain amount of, Liquidity or kind of a cushion that they've built up over time. Um, you know, it's something that they can draw upon like an emergency rainy day type fund, right? So uh, it's prudent as a business owner not to take every single penny out of the business. Um, most business owners are putting money in, investing and continuing to see it grow, but you definitely want to build as part of your overall financial planning. This doesn't just apply to as a business owner, but as an individual yourself, you know, having sufficient reserves and cushions for those rainy days. So I think that's just a real fundamental concept that you touched on that I wanted to highlight. But as it relates to that, you know, having available lines of credit, you know, we speak to a number of business owners and urge them to seek, you know, evaluate whether that makes sense that they have a line of credit, if they're never going to use it, but having it available, I mean, that's another source of kind of rainy day fund if it's needed. So, which I think is very prudent. Um, as far as personal guarantees, I mean, many times banks will require that if there's not sufficient, you know, collateral within the business um, or, and depending upon the size of the loan facility. But um, I mean, some of the detriments there obviously is now the, the shareholders, you know, now personally on the hook for obligations of the business, which, you know, from, we're not, I'm not an attorney um, and I don't pretend to be one, but, you know, obviously there's a lot of benefit to separating the corporate versus the personal and really creating that veil. So, you know, it creates protection between the business and and the individual shareholders. So once you personally guarantee something now you're personally on the hook for it. So, and, and, you know, that could limit the ability of you personally as a shareholder um, of seeking additional loans, you know, if you want to purchase a second residence or refinance your existing, um, you know, mortgage or seek out additional loans and things like that being personally guaranteeing anything, you know, can limit your ability to possibly borrow in the future. So I would see those as kind of the two potential downsides to it, but the upside to it is, you know, and businesses and particularly those that are starting out, you know, they don't have that collateral necessarily. So often it is necessary for a shareholder to personally guarantee loans.
2: And I I think one of the concerns that we have to piggyback on that with is what if something happens to the person who signed the personal guarantee? Yeah. Obviously, now their estate is going to be held responsible for those loans. And that could create a liquidity issue for survivors um, of the family. So a lot of times what people will do is they'll have their insurance policies. They'll have a collateral assignment in the policy where basically so if they pass away when the proceeds are paid the the banks or wherever the loans are owed to will get be made whole and then the balance can go to the family um, so you don't have to do a set amount you know as the beneficiary and say oh okay you know a quarter of a million dollars is going to go to bank of wherever um but you may not owe them that that amount uh, over time so you have the assignment so they just reconcile everything and say okay here's the amount that's due And then the balance goes to the, uh, the beneficiaries. Um, So there are things that people could do to protect their estate and their loved ones. Yeah.
0: Have you guys with everything that's happened since um, COVID, have you guys seen a lot of acknowledgement of the necessity of doing planning? Have you seen that shift of, wait a minute, I could get COVID and if I do as a business owner, what does that mean to my business? Or are people still in denial saying, well, if it happens, then I'll figure it. What have you guys seen in the market?
2: So if, I'll, I'll say in the in the early stages of COVID, I'm sorry, Lee, did I cut you off? No, on? I was gonna
1: say, go ahead, Ross, because a lot <laughs> <of> <laughs>
2: you're probably seeing a lot of this. In the early stages, I think there was a lot of transition. So people were kind of frozen because they were trying to say, okay, what is going to be the next step, you know, getting people and businesses organized for their employees to be working from home. Uh, you know, so there was a lot of focus on that. And then obviously then not knowing, you know, originally, you know, here in New York, it was okay. You know, for the next two weeks, we're, we're going to be on pause. And then two weeks became a month. And here we are, you know, 14 months later, we, you know, we, you know, we still haven't officially opened up hundred uh, percent, but we're, you know, they're going to probably say that in the next week or, Sometime today, you know, because that's what happened last time. Um, you know, so it's but it's been an ever changing thing. So people in the early stages really were playing catch up and didn't know how to plan. So I fe- I felt for the first month and a half, people were frozen. Yeah, and and then couple that with the market, um, you know, also having some erratic behavior. Um, you know, there was a lot of concern, a lot of people were watching, and then obviously things started to normalize, and then people were having more of those conversations, the the what if, um, it kind of took the, you know, a lot of people think they're invincible, it's not going to be me mentality, uh-huh. um, and this this was a wake-up call for a lot of people. There were still some people who who were in denial, thinking it was still, that's not going to be me, um, but there was a lot of people that it was a wake-up call saying, you know what, it, it may be me, it may not be me, but we should start planning. Mm-hmm.
1: I think uh, to dovetail on that, and I think you're spot on, Ross, it was like, you know, people were just trying to figure out how do I keep this business going? You know, how do I keep my employees employed, keep the customer base I have, keep things as status quo as I possibly can, like such a high focus, right? And then, and it's interesting, I've seen many um, businesses actually, you know, not really focus on the succession or. Uh, those type of issues as they focused on, okay, listen, I've, I've gotten through this at this point. You know, maybe now's the time to sell my business. You know, I'm, I'm at an age where, you know, I'm looking to potentially retire, you know, in the near future. I've gone through so many different business cycles. You know, this, this pandemic was kind of like the tipping edge, you know, so. I've definitely seen a lot more activity as it relates to clients that are looking to sell their business. And there's, you know, there's some change in the tax code in the horizon with capital gains, which makes it more beneficial, you know, this year than in the future of capital gains double from a rate perspective, obviously. So, but that that's definitely been a driving force. But I think you know, it's really critical in all these issues that business owners really have a set of advisors, you know, you, you mentioned Ross, you know, about the insurance um, when you have the personal guarantee and, you know, that, that to me highlights an issue that, you know, you only know so much. So having a team that you can kind of draw on and, and really look more holistically, but the other key thing is just separating out the emotional aspect. Cause you know, being a business owner is highly emotional. I mean, right. I mean, it's, everything in life's emotional, but the extent you can kind of assess if there's something that's bothering you, something that's driving a that decision, you know, you know, get, get to the emotion of it and really evaluate that and make sure that, you know, it's the right decision and it's not just an emotional reaction. Yeah. So that's definitely something that we've seen more with the clients we're working with is, is really trying to play that role. I mentioned it before is kind of corporate therapy, but, you know, asking the question and really evaluating their, their thought process and their decision making and, and assessing maybe it does make sense, but maybe there's alternative ways or uh, different things, ways to think about it. That's
0: fair. Okay, so I know we're getting to the bottom of the half hour or so, and again, thank you guys both. Thank Before you. we wrap up, I'm gonna ask each of you to share a case study, a scenario, I personally love case studies because it just helps put everything together, but I wanna hear a case study short one from each of you we'll start out with of planning that went well and you saw it from start you you experienced it from start to finish and and at the end the planning was done so well that it was it was like you have this vision of how it should be and it was each of you can you share a case study
1: like that Yeah, so I can start, you know, I have a, a client that we've worked with for a long time now manufacturing uh, in the manufacturing type business. And, you know, there are two, two shareholders that, you know, were aging and also, you know, looking to, to sell, or retire at some point. And I think probably about, you know, five to, to eight years prior to that event occurring, there was a lot of discussion, um, both with the, the you know, the, the existing the shareholders that were retiring as well as, a few up and coming executives, those that you know held key positions, and they really had a great discussion and dialogue and evaluated you know their options and how they could transition that business, what that would mean from both a leadership standpoint, you know the key roles and responsibilities, and and identify where there were some gaps and you know take corrective action, hire certain key employees as well to fill those gaps. But then also work on the ownership transition because, you know, it's one thing that transition leadership, but it's another thing that transition the ownership or the dollars associated with that. So, you know, working with their banks, looking at other assets they had within the business and how they could, you know, structure that transaction that was both um, accomplish the objectives of the selling shareholders as far as monetarily and all those things, mm-hmm so affordable to the, you know, the shareholders that would be acquiring that ownership interest. So I think that was a really great success story of, you know, taking time, having a lot of great collaboration, uh, leveraging their advisors, you know, speaking to their banks and so forth and, and getting it done. So. Perfect. Ross.
2: Uh, I want to answer it from the perspective of a client that I was working with who, who was dropping the ball a little bit on things. Okay. I, I remember I was sitting with with two partners of a company, and we were really focusing on, on partner A for family planning, but his partner was there, and I remember them making a comment during well during our meeting how they won't fly together uh, because if something happens, you know what is the effect on the company? And this is a company that had been around for about six seven years, and I said, well, what is the plan if something does happen? Um, you know, they're like, oh well, we've already done our buy sell agreement. And I said, great, because they understood that if something were to happen, the, the estate uh, would, would be the new partner. And the, they made it very clear that that was not happening, that they were not comfortable with that. So they made sure they, they had their plan in place. And what happened was, yes, they did have a buy-sell agreement. You know, They had a written, you know, everything was written in the partnership agreement. The problem was, is that they valued the company originally at a million dollars. So they had a half million dollar policy on each other. Problem was five years later the company was worth ten million, and they had never That's gone cool. back. They had never gone back and reviewed their life and the life insurance portion. So they're both sitting there with a five hundred thousand dollar policy, thinking they're set, and never thought. No one ever said to them, "You need to go back and review your insurance and have it updated." So, luckily, we were having that conversation on the personal side where we were able to step in and do something on the business side for them too to to get them protected. Uh, because the business owners made it very clear they wanted nothing to do with the other one's spouses. Um, That makes sense. Yeah, so I I think that kind of really solidifies the whole point that we make is planning and reviewing that plan consistently. Because a lot of times people will do their plan, they'll put it in the draw, they'll forget about it, thinking, okay, we're done, we've done it. And yes, you have, but if you don't review it, your plan's outdated. And things do change.
0: Absolutely. And and the reverse, because I've seen where businesses were flourishing and doing great, and they had the insurance to cover for that valuation, but then something happened to the business or dispositions happened, and the business is not worth as much, and they're overpaying. So you're absolutely right, Ross. You need to have that review. Okay, before we wrap up, Lee, one scenario where there was no planning and it was not one of those beautiful case studies that you rave about.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think of actually a situation that happened uh, recently um, in pandemic where, you know, it was, it was a service business and, you know, the the, the key shareholder partner was, you know, a pretty big, uh, obviously big component of bringing in new clients, but also working on those clients. And they had maybe about five or six employees and, Unfortunately, that shareholder passed away due to COVID, um, without really any plans in place. So, you know, at that time, you know, the 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 spouse, I believe, the brother also kind of stepped in and tried to do what they could to, you know, protect the business, which really meant, you know, getting a a business broker on board to, you know, sell the business. Um, But in the process, you know, they lost a lot of clientele, they lost a lot of key employees, so. Yeah, I think that, and it's a very sad story. Um, but I think, you know, in some ways that's, that's hard to mitigate against, right. If you have a, yeah. a, a sets of a certain size where the owner plays such a vital role in the business, but you know, there are ways to definitely mitigate and protect that and at least plan for it, um, in the unlikely event that occurs, but that was definitely a, not a, not a, a great story, not a great outcome. Um, they ultimately sold the business and, um, but I think it was more obviously like a fire sale type type
2: situation that
1: That's happened.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ross, I think one of the things that we see most commonly is people procrastinating. Uh, we uh, we meet with them, we talk about doing a plan, and they get very swept up in the bit in the business that they're doing and don't take care of the personal needs uh, or the insurance needs, you know, to protect themselves and there have been many times where I've seen people procrastinate and by the time they get around to it, there's a health change uh, to now they're either a not insurable or their insurance is significantly more expensive than had they not procrastinated. Um, You know, it would be less expensive. So I think, the biggest thing we see, you know, where, where things don't go well is when there's procrastination and then there's all this, there's a new health issue i always say to people look you know your health now you know what it could be now don't mm-hmm. wait because we don't know what tomorrow brings um, so you know, we none of us have an x-ray machine to know what's going on inside of us and you know we all think we're the pillar of health or even if we we don't even if we acknowledge that yeah, we've got some health issues sometimes we don't realize how bad they they can be and if we wait they just get worse, you know. If if you're waiting because of your your business is getting in the way, means also you're probably not attending to some of your health issues. Um, yeah, that should possibly be there. So I think procrastination is the biggest thing um, and pitfall I see for for people and and what creates some of the uh, some of the horror stories.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys for sharing those. And that that's a key part of these conversations is helping people understand. You're, you're not alone in this island of business, that there are scenarios on both sides. Focus on, and the, the key takeaway from all three of these uh, workshops, first and foremost, and really the constant is build a consulting team, rely on them of trusted advisors, contact them, get connected with them, get that whole team um, together to plan for your future, for your business and for your family future. Um, It's not a difficult thing to do. And and once you take that first step, it just starts rolling. It starts moving forward. So thank you guys again. I appreciate it. Um, For our subscribers, audience, um, viewers, listeners, thank you. And I hope this information on the series helps you continue your business, the value behind on it. If you do have more questions, Definitely, definitely get in touch with Lee, get in touch with Ross. We will have all their contact information and all the different um, uh, platforms that we're going to be relaunching the recordings out to. um, Make sure you get in touch with them and make sure that you're planning properly. Gentlemen, thank you again.
1: Thank Thank you. you. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Great job. Thanks, Thanks. Ross. Enjoy the rest of your day, everyone. Bye, everyone.